On today's episode, I'm talking about my recent injury insight involving calf soreness. Welcome to the Run Smarter Podcast, the podcast helping you overcome your current and future running injuries by educating and transforming you into a healthier, stronger, smarter runner. If you're like me, running is life, but more often than not, injuries disrupt this lifestyle. And once you are injured, you're looking for answers and met with bad advice and conflicting messages circulating the running community. The world shouldn't be like this. You deserve to run injury-free and have access to the right information. That's why I've made it my mission to bring clarity and control to every runner. My name is Brody Sharp. I'm a physiotherapist, a former chronic injury sufferer, and your podcast host. I am excited that you have found this podcast and by default, become the Run Smarter Scholar. So let's work together to overcome your injury, restore your confidence, and start spreading the right information back into your running community. So let's begin today's lesson. Welcome back, Run Smarter Scholars. Um, Telling a bit of a story today. talking about a recent uh, revelation I had or some slight tweaks I'm making for the better that can help your injury if you are injured at the moment or help you sort of prevent an injury, become more resilient. Um, so I'm going to talk over the course of the last few months what's happened to me and, you know, hopefully you can self-reflect and learn a lot. That's what this is all about. Um, so you may have seen in the past I've done um, some injury updates or like what's happened to me with my injuries in the past. And I talked about, I think the episodes title, the episode titles were somewhere along the lines of what Brody has learned from. And then it was, you know, um, high hamstring tendinopathy. It was, um, knee pain and like the various injuries that I've had in the past and personally how I've sort of negotiated them. Uh, you'll know that I haven't done one of those recently just cause I haven't been injured. <laughs> um, haven't been injured, haven't been racing and, I've just been running for the love of it, but I think it was just since COVID, um, prior to COVID, I was racing. I was doing some trail runs um, here in Victoria and just loved doing that. But during COVID for two years, those were cancelled and they, you know, opened back up, but then were getting cancelled again as like different waves of um, COVID would just come through. And so they'd open, reopen, and then close again. So I'm like, uh, let's just put races on hold for now. And at that time, we also were moving house. At that time, I wasn't getting a lot of sleep. Uh, For those who have read the book, um, I mentioned that. And this wasn't a good time to push myself, push my capabilities, run faster and further, just because I wasn't sleeping very well. Partly due to the excitement of me Um, having my own office space and, um, you know, my own gym space and starting my own clinic in person in my house. Um, So there was a lot of excitement around that, which kept me up a lot at night. Uh, But also it was summer and we hadn't had our blinds installed yet and it got really bright, almost like daylight type of bright at 5.30 in the morning. So another reason why I wasn't sleeping that well. And I guess I just lost momentum or... Um, was just satisfied with my running that I just didn't change anything. Um, it was running four, five times a week, just not pushing myself, just loving it, keeping it re- nice and easy, getting used to the new area, um, 
doing a weekend long run and, you know, just being happy with that. And it's recently changed, which I'll talk about in a second, but as you know from the title of the episode, we're talking about this calf soreness, um, which has just been lingering for a couple of months now, but let's go through my calf history just to, you know, bring you up to speed on what's happened with me. So when I very first started running, you know, I had, I've been playing basketball for, you know, all the way up until my mid twenties and hadn't, I wasn't much of a recreational runner, did it to keep fit every now and then, but never thought of myself as a runner, never thought I would run half marathons and marathons and trail races and those sorts of things. But Once I gave up basketball, started running, as you all know by now, my sister uh, asked if I could help her train for a half marathon or if I could train for the half marathon with her for some accountability and yeah, caught the bug straight away. But as soon as I started, my calves were so rock hard when I was running. As a basketballer, I was running on my toes. That's just how I ran and that really tended to create soreness, create tightness when I tried to do that same style of running for a long time or for like a slow, slow, but long duration rather than basketball where, you know, you sprint, you jump, you land, you sprint, you do some um, defense shuffles and then you have a break. And, you know, my calves were really good for that. My body was designed for that or adapted to that. And yeah, just didn't like that slow, consistent, long duration type of things. And so I would get home and I would constantly stretch um, both calves, just felt like balloons and just needed two or three days before my calves would feel normal again. And then I'd go for a run. It would repeat itself. But, you know, eight, 12 weeks after that, like my calves had no soreness. Uh, I did make a slight adjustment in the really early days. So like for the first couple of weeks, I actually changed to become a heel striker just to give my calves some reprieve. I wasn't going to do it forever. But once my calves adapted to the slow, consistent stuff, I then slowly transitioned back to my natural running style, which was that four foot strike. And my calves were fine you know, for months, for years, like I had no issues with my calves. They were just, um, you know, adapted to the slow, the slow stuff. And it was great. Totally fine. Um, they did get a bit bigger. I know my family members say, look how big your calves are. And, you know, that was just cause I was doing my running. I just thought that's, you know, the calves adapting to it. So it was great. Um, and so, yeah, Moved on, didn't have an issue for years up until a couple of months ago. Uh, My running in the last, say, 12 months was just running four days a week. I would run three rounds or three days of like a 4K or a 5K easy, really, really easy. I'm talking like five and a half pace, um, five and a half, sometimes six, and six minute um, per kilometer, don't think I'm talking about miles. Uh, I'd strength train. I'm still strength training twice a week. Uh, squats, lunges, calf raises. I do bent knee, double leg calf raises, and I do three sets of 10 and I hold on to a 90 kilogram barbell. So bent knee, double leg standing, bent knee calf raises, three times 10, 90 kilos. And that gives me enough stimulus. I feel like, you know, 
my calves are really getting that slow, heavy load that I encourage. I encourage on the podcast and so do a lot of my guests. Um, and so that's that was my routine. My long run on the weekends would be, you know, about 10 to 12 Ks and pretty happy with that. Happy to continue. Just really liked that routine. Um, listen to podcasts when I run, get to think about business, a lot of um, ideas flow into my head when I run. So I'm just happy just going out there, it being easy and just think, just chill, you know, learn some things while listening to podcasts, get some fresh air, um, just got into that routine. And so we, like I said, we did move house. Um, this area is a lot more hillier than uh, where we were previously living and I managed it well, managed it well. We've been here for, you know, almost two years and, oh, well, a year and a half and, you know, I've been fine with the hills, uh, but, you know, it's hard to find a flat area. I also um, noticed that I was in less supportive shoes. Like I, my preferred shoe, I guess, is a minimalist style shoe. Again, been doing that for years. Um, but <clears throat> did and still do have a standard shoe, like a pretty rigid, just your standard trainer type of shoe, um, just for some reprieve. Like if my foot is sore or if my calf is a little bit sore on a day or if, you know, I just need to switch up the loads that are applied on my body, I'd run with those more rigid type of shoes or supportive type of shoes, you'd call them. So using the shoes as tools when required, swap them out just to change the loads on the body. At the time of my calves getting sore, so we're talking maybe about three months ago now, I was starting to get holes in my standard shoes. And so I wore them less often and I was wearing my minimalist shoes a bit more. Kept everything the same, even though the same was just all hilly stuff. Um, kept the same, even though the same was really, really slow stuff. Um, and it just like the soreness just was always there now. It was like maybe a three out of 10 tightness, not pain, never pain, but just tightness. Uh, when I went to stretch them, I'm like, oh, they're a bit tighter than usual and just carry over throughout the week. Um, and just, it's just the most gradual thing. I'm talking like every two weeks, it's just like the slightest bit more tense, um, to the point where you do that. Like if you follow that trend for two months, like by the end of that two months, that's, that slow trend is turning into a bit of an annoyance still, it's just tightness, but I was starting to become a little bit more apprehensive. So I started actually running slower. My kilometers, um, my pace was getting to six to six and a half. Um, and I thought that would be fine, but then it started again, still getting worse week by week by week. And I actually, some mornings would start doing some walking intervals. I would, when it got to a hill, when I had to run uphill, I'd actually walk up it. Not all the time, but some of the times this is what I would result to occasionally. I was getting more hesitant to do calf raises in the gym. So I started doing those a bit less often. Um, I bought some supportive shoes because like I say, the other ones started getting holes in them. So they were downgraded to now my sort of walking shoe and I needed some supportive shoes. So I went with the on cloud, um, it was a cloud monster. Went with those, um, totally fine with them, but I was starting to make all these decisions 
to uh, offload the calves, to give them some reprieve, give them some recovery. And I'm curious if you've done the same in the past, not just with calf issues, but like say high hamstring uh, soreness or plantar fasciitis, if you're getting calf, uh, if you're getting plantar fascia soreness, foot soreness, like making these decisions because you become a little bit more apprehensive and just more conscious of the fact that whatever muscle group is getting a bit tighter and a bit sore. Um, But then I had the realization, I'm like, you know what? Over the past two, three months making these decisions, I'm actually putting myself in this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. Talk about it all the time on the podcast. And I'm subject to it. Like in the smallest, most gradual fashion, it's not an injury, but it's calf capacity and it's being driven by muscle soreness. So not pain, but just by soreness. It's been driven by worry and it's resulted in me sort of retreating more and more to safety, if that makes sense. So if people haven't listened to the earlier episodes, um, the first 10 episodes, if they haven't read my book, I'll just give you a quick recap. The pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral was originally what I created for an injury and to almost uh, highlight that rest is rarely recommended for overload overloaded injuries or overuse injuries because it decreases your capacity. It actually makes the structure weaker. And when you are in a painful state, if you do have something that's overloaded and painful, it actually becomes more sensitized and can't tolerate the same amount of load that it once used to. So what people do is they rest, they really significantly back off. And then when they return to running, that's too much because they've deconditioned themselves and it flares up again. And then people result to more rest results in more pain, results in a um, further weakening of that structure, hence the pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. And again, if you listen to this in the past, I know a lot of people um, resonate with this spiral, by the way, because a lot of people reach out on Facebook and Instagram and say they they make reference to the pain, rest, weakness spiral and they um, they say, yep, that's me. That's me with my Achilles at the moment, or that's me with my high hamstring at the moment. So um, plantar fasciitis as well is a, is a big culprit for... Just quickly chiming in here to let you scholars know, I have just updated my five-day injury prevention challenge. This is one email per day for five days, learning new concepts and diving into the science on how you can reduce your risk of injury. The sign-up link is in the show notes, so fill in your details and I'll be waiting for you in email number one tomorrow. This sort of presentation or this behavior. And so yeah, that's the recap to the, the pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral. And it makes me think, what would I have done if I didn't catch myself right now? If I just kept following in this trend, um, what would happen? Odds are... I'd probably like resort result in less and less time spent in my minimalist shoes. So the the big bulkier shoes that I purchased, I'd probably just use that more and more. I would probably run shorter runs. I'd probably run slower. Um, become more conservative in the gym. Maybe back off my calf raises to like eighty kilos instead of ninety. Um, I'll just keep heading in that direction, and. If anyone's um, familiar with the spiral, what do you need to do to negotiate it? Well, you need to catch it early and you need to work your way back up that spiral. And 
this is what we do for injuries. If we see someone with plantar fasciitis in this pain, rest, weakness, downward spiral, what we do as um, a rehab philosophy is we say, okay, it's quite deconditioned at the moment, but you still have some capacity. It's not zero. Our job is to find where that capacity is and then work our way back up. So this is for an injury. So um, mine's soreness, which is kind of like in this gray area. Um, it kind of applies the same, but slightly different. Um, but if if we say to someone with their plantar fasciitis, okay, right now you can tolerate five minutes barefoot walking. You can tolerate 30 minutes in shoes. You can tolerate one hour standing. You can tolerate calf raises, single leg, body weight, three sets of eight. We just do all this through trial and error and documenting symptoms and interpreting those symptoms. Once symptoms are back to baseline, okay, let's work back up. Now we've found where you're, where you are in this downward spiral. We can stop right there. We can't keep deconditioning yourself. Let's work our way back up in a gradual fashion. And so those calf raises become weighted. The barefoot walking, we can try a little bit more barefoot walking. We can try a little bit more walking on toes and just slowly building your way back up, building that capacity back up. So this was my dilemma. Okay, I've caught myself at this downward spiral. Now it's time to work back up, but how do I work back up? Because I, they're currently like sore, they're currently tight, they feel like overloaded. What do I need to do? I should say as well, Actually, I'll get, I'll get to that later. Let me just put in my notes here. I want to come back to that. Um, if they're overloaded, how do I work back up? So this was my action plan. This was the game plan. But continue to be consistent in the gym. The slow, heavy stuff was fine. Like when I was doing my strength work, I never felt like I was overloading them. I never felt like they were um, going to result in damage. So they were fine. I was just going to be headstrong with that and stay consistent. I'd still keep the slow runs, like the slow long runs on weekends, totally fine, happy with that. Um, but throughout the majority of the week, I did keep to flatter courses. Uh, if I was to choose my route, I would you know, make sure that if it does have some hills, I'd be okay with that. Um, I wasn't keeping to everything flat, but you know, my usual 4K loop had to change and that change was for something with a few less hills. So I did that. Um, working my way back up though, I then implemented interval training, which sounds counterintuitive. Um, my intervals would involve a 1K warm-up where I just jog to a flat street that's 1K away. I would then do 1K repeats like 1k intervals at you know a pretty decent clip I was getting to like sub 4k's so I'd run a k get to about 355 3 minutes and 55 seconds then stop rest for about 2 minutes and I'd repeat that I think I started doing two of those and then a 1k run back to the house um, so just getting used to faster stuff or significantly faster. It's kind of like this um, polarized training. I recognize that I'm probably deconditioning myself 
very, very gradually over these last couple of years, just because I haven't exposed myself to faster running. It's all been slow and it's just been getting tighter and I just keep getting slower. So let's expose my calves, my Achilles and my body to faster stuff. Um, adding strides is another perfect example of that. Um, and how I like to introduce speed for someone who is injured, who hasn't done speed in a very long time, just um, expose them to quite fast, but very short durations and see how they tolerate it. Um, just, well, recently, well, today, I'm going back to playing basketball. Um, a friend asked me to start filling in. So um, every so often I'll be doing that. And that's, I've just recognized that's going to be good for my calves, exposing it to something that I haven't done in a while and will be very, very cautious <laughs> returning back. Um, and just, you know, it's only just pick up all. So I'm just going to um, jog around to start with. But if I do start getting fitter, getting used to it and adapting to that, I will thank that I'll be thankful for exposing myself to jumping, landing, changing directions, 10 meter sprints, those sorts of things, um, and make my calves a bit more resilient in the process. Last time I tried to play basketball was, I don't know, 18 months ago, I filled in for a friend and absolutely wrecked my lower back, <laughs> just trying to do way too much, getting to the competitive side and um, yeah, I won't make that mistake again. But the intervals were a big game changer. Uh, and I was actually fine during those. I was fine. I felt fine during, felt fine afterwards. Actually felt quite good afterwards. I didn't have that muscle soreness. Um, and so, but the I, I guess the overall duration was really short. So if I did a K um, warm-up, 2K intervals, and a K back. I think I actually did, when I very first started, I did a K warm up and then did a K fast and then I did a K back home fast. So that was only 3K. Um, and because they're only, say, under four minutes, that's only 12 minutes of a workout, but exposing myself to really high, really high, fast paces and just that would be a different type of workout than my usual 4K, which would be, I don't know, 24 minutes. Um, keep that in mind. It's just, it's, it's different. And I guess that's why my cars felt better because I was only out there for 12 minutes instead of 24. Um, yeah. So, um, adding strides is also another one. If you listen to Claire Bartholik's interview, I was probably several months ago now, but we broke down what strides are, how to do them, uh, why they're so beneficial. So, um, if you want, you can go back to that episode and I'm feeling better. This is why I decided to do this podcast anyway. Like my calves, they're not out of the woods. They still feel a little bit tight when I stretch them and um, that sort of stuff. And I, yeah, I'm feeling really confident with the path that I'm on. So I uh, thought that's why I would <clears throat> make an episode about it. But there's another caveat for that because <laughs> like a when I typed something in before, this is what I was going to say. I visited my brother on Magnetic Island Um what was it, about four, five, four weeks ago. And I went for a run, very, very humid. Um, I was there, it was probably day three of me being there, drinking a whole bunch of water, but I went for a, a run. It was, there was one significant hill. Um, but that day, I was like really apprehensive about my calves. And I actually got like a little bit of a, a spasm or a little bit of a cramp in my calf, like halfway through. 
And I, I managed to run all the way back, but I've never been more nervous than my calf before. Like that's sort of where it peaked at its worst. And probably that's when I made the decision to start making these changes because it's only been about four or five weeks that I've um, been doing this. And why I'm talking about this is there might be another variable in this whole thing and it might be dehydration um, because, you know, in a hot, humid place, being there for three days, yes, drinking a lot of water, but maybe I was a little bit more dehydrated than usual. Um, and why I say that is uh, if you've listened to Andrew, the chat that I had with Andrew, um, he was the CEO of Prepped and we talked about hydration, hydration strategies and his product that um, focus on this starch resistant formula that helps you retain more water. Um, I've started using that the last couple of weeks, not consistently, but I remember a couple of runs where I had the um, recovery, no, the prime product before my long run. So I took it the Friday, uh, Friday afternoon, and I ran on the Saturday morning and I felt great. I, I, I was feeling like, had a spring in my step and I don't know, I, I didn't correlate the two together until the next, until the Sunday. So you can't blame placebo because I actually didn't think about it when I was running. Um, maybe I was a little bit more hydrated and that's, that would be why maybe in the last six months, I maybe have been drinking a little bit less water. I've gone from maybe two liters a day to one and a half liters a day. Um, hard to say, like I said, this is like my worst enemy because whenever I talk on the podcast about, whether something's effective or not, I always talk about isolating the variables. I have a, a whole like paragraph on the, in the book dedicated to this. Um, you want to make sure that you isolate the variables so you know what is and what isn't working. Um, yeah, I've gone and I'll continue testing. Maybe I'll continue testing and um, have the have the product, not have the product, see if I'm better or worse. I don't know. But anyway, I'm feeling better and I want to record this episode just so we can have that key lesson. See if you yourself are catching catching yourself doing a similar or following a similar trend. Try, if you want to become a well-rounded runner, if you want to be a resilient runner, you do need to train all these energy buckets. You do need to try and stimulate the tendons, the bones, the muscles to a whole bunch of variety so that you adapt to that and become resilient because of that. If you're injured, I see this all the time, Try to catch yourself if you're constantly retreating to safety, um, not based on symptoms, but based on apprehension. I see this all the time. I see a lot of proximal hamstring tendinopathy runners and non-runners, but um, <clears throat> they will flare up when they do speed work, always. Um, they'll they'll f find themselves in this pattern and then they'll have a chat to me and say, oh yeah, I'm feeling pretty good. I'm feeling better. I feel like I'm on the right track. And the, some have been asymptomatic for six months. And you, you say to them, okay, so how are you with speed work? And they say, oh, no, I don't do speed work anymore. That's not a part of my routine. I don't do hills. I don't do speed work. I don't do stretching because I know that if I do that, my symptoms will come back. And I sort of question them to say, well, what are your running goals? And they say, oh, I want to return to marathons, maybe triathlons, maybe try and PB a marathon. Um, and you sort of say, well, if you're looking to push your capabilities, wouldn't you want to be resilient in all domains? Because in the moment where your training becomes, you know, if you ramp up in that peak part of your training or 
you do a race that has a little bit more hills than you're expecting? Wouldn't you want to be prepared for that? And, you know, you can kind of see some people have these flare-ups, have the, the injury like recur all the time. Every two to three months, they'll have a flare-up, flare-up, flare-up. And it's not because they've introduced speed, it's because they've done something else and that something else has flared them up because they haven't become adapted to a whole bunch of different domains. I hope I'm making sense with this. But you do want to become a resilient runner if your goal is to reduce your risk of injury and you can self-reflect if you're following that behavior, the same behavior and trend that I followed because my calves were getting tight. Oh, maybe I need to go slower. Maybe I need to avoid hills. Maybe I need to... XYZ. Um, so self-reflect, make some adjustments if needed. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And as I sign off, remember, every new insight brings you one step closer to your next running breakthrough. And that concludes another Run Smarter lesson. I hope you walk away from this episode feeling empowered and proud to be a Run Smarter scholar. Because when I think of runners like you who are listening, I think of runners who recognize the power of knowledge, who don't just learn, but implement these lessons, who are done with repeating the same injury cycle over and over again, who want to take an educated, active role in their rehab, who are looking for evidence-based long-term solutions and will not accept problematic quick fixes. And last but not least, who serve a cause bigger than themselves and pass on the right information to other runners who need it. I look forward to bringing you another episode and helping you on your Run Smarter path.